0: The superior, the very Reverend John Conmy, SJ, reset his smooth watch in his interior pocket as he came down the presbytery steps. Five to three. Just nice time to walk to Artane. What was that boy's name again? Dignum, yes. Verve Dignum et Justum est. Brother Swan was the person to see, Mr. Cunningham's letter. Yes, oblige him, if possible, good practical Catholic, useful at mission time. A one-legged sailor, swinging himself onward by lazy jerks of his crutches, growled some notes. He jerked short before the convent of the Sisters of Charity and held out its peak cap for alms toward the very Reverend John Conmey, S.J. Father Conmy blessed him in the sun, for his purse held he knew one silver crown. Father conned me cross to Mount Joy Square. He thought, but not for long, of soldiers and sailors whose legs had been shot off by cannonballs, ending their days in some pauper ward. And of Cardinal Wolsey's words, if I had served my God as I had served my king, he would not have abandoned me in my old days. He walked by the tree shade of sunny winking leaves, and toward him came the wife of Mr. David Sheehy MP. Very well indeed, Father. And you, Father? Father Conmee was wonderfully well indeed. He would go to Buxton probably for the waters, and her boys, were they getting on well at Belvedere? Was that so? Father Conmee was very glad to hear that. And Mr. Sheehy himself, still in London, the house was still sitting, to be sure it was, Beautiful weather it was, delightful indeed. Yes, it was very probable that Father Bernard Vaughan would come again to preach. Oh yes, a very great success. A wonderful man, really. Father Conme was very glad to see the wife of Mr. David Sheehy MP looking so well, and he begged to be remembered to Mr. David Sheehy MP. Yes, he would certainly call. Good afternoon, Miss Sheehy. Father Conme doffed his silk hat as he took leave at the jet beads of her mantilla ink shining in the sun and smiled yet again and going. He cleaned his teeth, he knew, with Arcanut paste. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com you can also follow our tweets at sync42 and at syncbook it's saturday january 29th 2022 almost groundhog day again and with that brings us to the 100th anniversary celebration of the publication of james joyce's ulysses first serialized in the american journal the literal View, the little review by margaret anderson from 1918 to 1920 and then published in full in book form on Joyce's 40th birthday, February 2nd, 1922, by Sylvia Beach and Shakespeare and & Co. The book club is excited to reconvene and celebrate this milestone, having first discussed this work for episode number 278 on Bloomsday in 2017. This time we are joined by regulars Nor and SJ, as well as meeting Eric, host of the Hermetic Highway podcast for the first time. Ulysses, as you recall, was controversial, scandalous, erudite, funny, but undisputedly a landmark of 20th century modernism. It charts one day, the 16th of June, 1904, in the lives of three inhabitants of Dublin, the advertising salesman Leopold Bloom, the artist Stephen Dedalus, and Bloom's wife, Molly. Their peregrination thoughts and encounters form the basis of the narrative, which becomes a celebration of all human experience through the lives of specific individuals in a specific place at a specific time. Ulysses is both an experimental novel and a book intimately concerned with the events of modern life. Welcome everyone and happy Ulysses at 100 to you all. How is everyone doing tonight?
1: Doing great. Happy to be here, excited.
2: Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks, Doug.
1: All
0: right. So last time when we talked in 2017, we spoke very generally, mostly zooming in on synchronicity and coincidence. And I think this time we really need to start by like examining the bones of this thing. And so I think we'll start with you, Znor, and like really dig in deep with the idea of what people call the schema, like his skeleton for um, constructing this. I mean, everyone knows that the Odyssey was the epic that he was imitating or, you know, matching his hero, his epic hero with. Could you, I, this work is constructed into three overarching chunks and within the, three um sections there are 18 discrete episodes could you explain the three chunks that i'm talking about a little bit
3: yeah um so yeah so there's 18 18 episodes i guess um the three chunks the uh so yeah every episode we find out later the um i mean joyce told people later um, basically that uh, each episode corresponds to an episode from uh, Homer's odyssey um, so the first three are from what's called the Telemachyad of the uh, of Homer's odyssey which is the sort of the adventures of of Odysseus's son telemachus um, so in Ulysses the sort of uh, corresponding figure to Telemachus is Stephen Daedalus and so then so the first three episodes of, of, uh, of that are Telemachus and then Nestor. Nestor is sort of uh, this old uh, wise um, t- like tutor basically of, of Ulysses and, and Telemachus afterwards, and then Proteus. Proteus is um sort of the Greek god of change. Um, but these first three episodes in Ulysses are basically um focused on Stephen Daedalus. And uh, yeah, I don't know how f- we should get deeper into each of these, I think, you know, but just to get on the uh um so then the middle uh, what is it, eight? No, no, the middle, uh how many one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, middle twelve. Um, this, uh, these are episodes of. It starts off with Leopold Bloom, who's the Odysseus figure, and it's basically his day. What happens to him um, during June sixteenth, nineteen oh four, and along the way, he encounters Stephen Dedalus. Um, Uh, a few times he finally meets him in the end in an an episode called the oxen of the sun in in this hospital um and then at the end of this section the middle section is a crazy um, episode that lasts for i don't know how many pages like almost 200 pages or something maybe called Surtse. and uh it's basically the uh um, the the climax of the whole book. It's written in this dramatic style, and it's just it, it's um, uh, it's all sort of uh. The unconscious being represented in front of the uh, characters in actual material form. Um, and so, so it's that...
0: interesting because so I think that section that episode is as long as the first eight episodes put together. Hmm. Um, But then the other interesting thing is one of the guides that I was looking at online was trying to say that the Cyclops section, which happens, you know, maybe two or three episodes before that was the climax. And -hmm. then I started thinking about how like bloom actually climaxes, you know, after Cyclops and Nausicaa on the beach, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I I definitely uh, felt that that, night town was the climax you know like there was the character was fully wrung dry bloom you know both bloom and Stephen were uh, uh you know they're interrogated their soul so to speak
3: yeah the, the actual middle of the book um comes in that hospital scene as well the oxen of the of the sun the in terms of page count yeah and it and it corresponds directly to the first clap of thunder in the beginning of the rains, which I thought it was amazing, you know. So that's that's kind of when things start to change as well. Um, but then, then the last three books are sort of the return of both um, Stephen and Bloom to Bloom's uh, house. And this is sort of the return of Odysseus and Telemachus to Ithaca and Odysseus's wife, Penelope, who's Molly Bloom. Um, and so then it ends in Molly Bloom's monologue, which goes on for a long time as well, about 50 pages.
0: One sentence.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One sentence, a few different paragraphs it's split into, but I guess it's only one sentence. Yeah. Um. I,
0: there's, yeah. It seems like there's, uh, is it eight different thoughts? Like maybe it's eight paragraphs. Hmm. I don't know. I'm pulling that number out of the air.
3: Yeah. I think you're right. Something like that.
0: Okay. So that's the overarching arching structure. So you have like, uh, this Epic thing and then each episode, I, the only way I can say it kind of has a gimmick and it seems like they get more and more creative each time. And so it's almost like, I wonder if it's worth talking about each episode or not
3: um it would be nice i don't know if we could do it but we could try like it's it's kind of fun to do it um
0: well so the fascinating thing to me is the the telemachia like if that was just a solo work it would be interesting like it's it's almost like a novella that's complete you know Um, and so but that's just like like the morning adventures well i wonder so that's the other interesting thing that happens is this idea of so you you march along with Stephen up to a certain point and then you go back in time and start the day again with Leopold and eventually I think when on in the Hades section when he's on his way to the funeral he does see Stephen walking
3: out on the strand mm-hmm. yeah yeah um what was i going to say uh, yeah in a way the 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 first three the, the kind of telemachiad or whatever is 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 kind of a continuation of uh the portrait of an artist as a, as a young man like the story of stephen in this case it's stephen who arrives back in dublin after he gets a telegraph from his father Steve, uh, simon dedles saying that his mother has just died and so he has to stephen comes back from paris where he's studying and he has to find something to do in in Dublin again, and of course that is Joyce's story too, right? That, that's exactly what happened to Joyce himself. And then, uh, and then when it starts with Bloom, it's originally, I think, Joyce had an idea of creating a sort of Dubliners type short story centered around somebody like Leopold Bloom. And so, in in a way, it's kind of uh, that's another part of its structure it's kind of a continuation of um portrait of an artist and then a continuation of Dubliners, like it's kind of melded together and then and then just expanded into like uh what is it? like 732 pages you know
1: if if i can add uh, another thought on just the general schema of the work this is eric um i i read uh a paper, I believe it's from 1948 in preparation for this by um, William York Tyndall, who's a a scholar of Joyce from Columbia University. Um, He points out that, um, he says each chapter of Ulysses, except for the first three, suggests an organ of the body. The fourth chapter, for example, presents the kidney and the sixth, the heart. While Mrs. Bloom's monologue at the end gives us the idea and feeling of flesh each of these chapters concerns an aspect of dublin um so you have you know each of these chapters except for the uh telemachia is that what it's called representing a different organ of the body and then joyce associates these all with also an aspect of dublin um And then another thing he points out is that each chapter but the last suggests an intellectual or aesthetic discipline. Uh, He says the second chapter, for example, embodies history and the ninth literature. Um, The cemetery corresponds to religion, uh, which may explain the disappearance of the macrocosm, which is something he explains elsewhere in this paper. But I just find it fascinating that you have all of these different ways that you can cut the work uh, and that you know you can look at it the, from the perspective of the organs of the body, which also corresponds to these different aspects of Dublin. And they also correspond to these different literary or aesthetic disciplines, uh, creating this kind of matrix, matrix of different aspects of the work that are all interwoven, which of course comes through in the work.
0: Well, I wonder if some of that doesn't speak to some of the portrait of the artist, where he's there's there's something about the religion and the the artist, you know, having godlike powers. So not only is he like creating this city, like breathing life into the city, but he's like fully breathing, like he's creating a person, all the organs too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, something that, um, again, Tyndall notes is that it's th- there's absolutely this correspondence between the body and the city. And in terms of what uh, Joyce is creating, the way that Tyndall describes it is that he's essentially creating a world. Um, and as the representative of Hermeticism in the group, if I can dub myself as such, uh, there's just a fascinating... Uh, relationship there with the hermetic tradition which Tyndall argues Joyce was uh, that it at least served as Joyce's um, literary the the influence for his literary method in terms of analogy where it it essentially boils down to the macrocosm microcosm principle um, except that at this point in in literary history that vertical association between the, the heavens and earth, the stars and earth, became more of just a vertical and horizontal and every which way association. Which instead of as above, so below, he describes as as there, so here. Um, but yeah, to your comment, it, it, he describes it as Joyce creating a world, um, which is a beautiful way of putting it.
3: Yeah, this that sort of schema that. Uh that uh Tyndall I guess is talking about it Joyce sort of um tossed that off and gave it to a friend um I guess in Trieste when he was there this guy Carlo Lanetti, and that was one of the first indications beyond just the title that it had anything to do with uh Homer's Odyssey as well, you know. Um but yeah that's amazing to look at. So that gives you the time and then also um, like you said the the parts of the body or the organs of the body and then um the different techniques that he's using or 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 science or art um but it it's also just to add what what you said um in uh in proteus which is the third episode stephen talks about adam cadman directly um so this idea that uh this kabbalistic idea of adam cadman as being this uh, the universe is is composed of this this great atom you know like the um and that uh each part of the universe is a separate part of uh adam's body adam cadman's body um and so yeah exactly what you're saying it's like uh it's um so you can center this whole story in, in Bloom as Ulysses or you can expand it out to Dublin or you can expand it out further to um, the whole universe being represented as, as one man, you know. And he, he continues that idea, of course, in Finnegan's Wake with, uh, with Finn, you know. Um,
2: I, um, I'm not an expert at this at all. This is my first entry into this universe, except for Portrait of an Artist, which I read. As a young man, it was really influential to me. I'll maybe talk about that in some of the after story. Um, but the body uh, seems that was I was very struck by the little uh, that I did act, come into this. Uh, just how good of a descriptor he is of the body, and so much of the prose were like long descriptions of like the urination, for example, in the in the scene that I uh, actually uh, got into, where he's describing in a very technical terms you know, the bladder and a a lot of terminology around the body.
0: Well, so could we, this is really interesting SJ, because you, you read section 17.
2: I read, I read about half of it, or I listened to about half of it. And then I watched this really beautiful film. I I was so impressed with this movie that I saw from the sixties that I think just ripped a bunch of the text. And it was a, I guess, an adaptation. So I feel somewhat, uh, uh, into at least some of the, the totality of the story um, but just one other quick point and I'm going to turn it back over to you Doug if that's okay it's just the idea of the as above so below uh, In what I read there was these really great descriptions of the heavens and and the constellations and the zodiac and he seemed to be very intimately aware of what is happening in the heavens Um, and as it reflected this moment in time and so i think there even is a kind of you're mentioning erica kind of as there so here but i do think there's a grounding again in the heavens it seems to be an as above so below um kind of a tip of the hat to that idea as well uh, in what i read so
0: all right so what let's we'll keep marching along through this a little bit um the, the morning starts with stephen he he's with his, his roommates. And uh, then he goes to school, he gets paid. Uh, then he, you know, he ends up on the beach and kind of walks out into infinity in his imagination. And then we go back to 8am and it's bloom making breakfast. Um, in that section, it's called Calypso. His, his wife, Molly ends up being Calypso. Um, oh, maybe not. Maybe not.
3: She's Penelope, right?
0: She is, but I think they're also saying that she's Calypso.
3: Calypso. Well, maybe, but uh, Calypso is also the nymph above their bed that <laughs> that, uh, that Bloom gets off on. Um, yeah, as a substitute for Molly. Um, so that's that's one of the ideas. But you're you're probably right too that she has the it's it's all combined all these all the symbolism.
0: Then I think it's in that section. Yeah, he he goes to the store. He's kind of he's not a lech. I mean, as as I read Bloom, he seems like he is a good man. He's a human man, and he has desires. And because we're fully in his, this is what's interesting to me, Zanor, because it made me think about um, Kohler again. Whereas Kohler probably wasn't a good man. Mm-hmm. But Bloom is a good man, but we, you know, we're in their consciousness and so there's no filters and we're just seeing, you know, every impulse or desire or every thought. And Joyce does such a good job of being able to put you in there, you know, completely.
3: Yeah, it's interesting that um, that happens with those three main characters with uh, Bloom and steven and molly we get right into their thoughts but it also happens with one other character who's the narrator of the uh of the cyclops um episode oh yeah and we get into who and we get into his mind and he's obviously not a good man or or at least he's very uh he's very sour on everything like he's very down on everything criticizing everything in his mind um So we get into his it's interesting because he's telling
0: it in the past tense because, you know, the idea is that he's kind of like a raconteur that tells stories for drinks, Mm -hmm. potentially. And so it's interesting because we have to we have to. We have to believe that his idea of his story of the, what happened is is true, but he definitely is like you're saying. He has certain. I mean, that section is really an interesting section, um, because um, of the politics involved.
3: Mm. Oh uh, yeah. So <laughs> we, we uh, should we go? Should we go try to go bit by bit? I don't. I, I don't
0: know if we should or not. I it's mean, kind so of like, hard, you know.
3: I, I guess it yeah. is. Um,
0: um, I, the the thing that I realized this time, and so for people who have never read it, it's not a hard work, it, and it actually propels you because each little section is its own little universe, and so as you get in, you know as you get through it once or twice, and then you have some grounding, then everything, all the details become more and more realized each time you spend time. But since it's, it's in these little episodes, if you get through the episode, you know, it's like there's the, the little milestones, but the fun thing is that he's coming up with all these creative devices. in each episode, sometimes like, it feels like he's coming up with an idea and then he really realizes it. So like in, uh, which one is it? The Oxen of the Sun is like, it's a challenge because it, it, you know, the history of the English language is kind of put in these different um, sections of that one. But I felt like uh, the Cyclops was playing with language in a similar way where these interruptions would come along and you know he's 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 it's almost like a a writerly flex where can he really utilize a style that isn't his own and pull it off Well,
3: he's making fun of styles all the way through it too like in the cyclops um he he will go into the episode of of what's actually happening in the bar and all these like uh basically um like the the character the cyclops um uh, the citizen is is he's like a real jerk, you know, and uh, and there's all these drinkers, guys almost falling off their their stool, and then the narrator who's a who's an, an asshole himself, you know, um, and so you have the actual events that are happening in the bar, and it and it becomes all this anti-Semitism directed towards Bloom and all this kind of nasty, ugly stuff, and then but these these little um, things that are so you have a nasty episode that's actually happening, and then Joyce brings that into this satire of um, all this like mythic writing uh, about Ireland, you know, and how how, <laughs> how 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 wonderful and fantastic Irish myth is, and like so he's making fun of the, the whole sort of uh, Celtic Renaissance style of writing in uh, in Dublin at that time. Um, Joyce wanted to look at the actual reality of what's going on. It's it's pretty it's pretty ugly, you know. But uh, um, with a with a Celtic Renaissance that, that people like Yeats were heavily involved in, it it all becomes flowery and mythical and magical. Um, and and Joyce Joyce didn't want that, you know. But uh, but how about like so this this time reading it, Doug? Um, like you finished like I think you finished it, right? So yes, you, how was it? different this time then uh um so like when we did it in 2017
0: i really i didn't have a sense of you know what was going on but so uh, here's an interesting thing like um when when steven is at the library and kind of giving his his proving hamlet with algebra Mm. you know um he's talking about it's, it seems like Joyce is always putting the, the secrets to how to read him in the works, right. maybe. And so it's a really biographical reading of the works of Shakespeare. You know, he's saying if you just look at his life, you can see, you know, what he was writing about. But I mean, really, that's that's kind of like that's why. You need to start with, uh, you might need to start with Stephen Hero or Dubliners and Stephen Hero. And you read these different things. You really get a sense of the development of all the things that go into this Mm. and how um, some of the details, uh, all the whole world is in, is in the text, but you wouldn't necessarily understand it if, unless you maybe did a little, you know, uh, biographical spelunking you know, in Joyce's background. And so what this time it, similar to Shakespeare is once you get a sense of what the thing is, and then the language is no longer a barrier because you're becoming more, you know, then it just really starts opening to you. And then the depth is what's exciting and fun. And so, so this time um, I was really, really taken with the wandering rock section because Um, there's something really interesting going on because it's really conveying a simultaneity of events happening all at the same time, but um, writing is so linear. Mm. And so how do you convey a simultaneity? And so he, he had all these little clues of what was happening at the same time. And so like, if you really wanted to geek out in that section, the wandering rock section is, um, called Ulysses in miniature because it's like every, you get all the different characters and they're all doing their things and so that's what I read from the introduction you get this father con me and he's just kind of walking through town but he's walking past all our players and and as you read along you see all these different things that are happening all at the same time and and so that's it's kind of like um as you get to know the names and uh, the players, then it really starts clicking to place the larger whole of the thing. But what I love is that because it's episodic, you know, you get this sense of accomplishment when you when you finish an episode and you understand what's going on in in that.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a great one too. That episode, um, apparently, I think this is from. Uh, Joyce's good friend Frank Budgen said this um that Joyce with that episode Joyce had this map of Dublin in front of him and he was working out um to the minute where each of these characters would would be and and making it as realistic as possible you know of course he was writing most of it in uh in Trieste um so it's uh He's he he was writing back, writing letters back all the time to to Ireland to get people to send him information, and uh, but he he's writing all of this outside of Dublin, which is another amazing part of this, you know.
0: Um, well, so I I read so part of that is you know this Elijah He's coming, right down the river. The the throw blew- the throwaway the throwaway, <laughs> right, and then so tell me, did you know how i th- uh maybe his the character's name was Banton Lyons that was gonna bet on the throwaway yeah. um did he bet or did he not bet he he
3: did he did as far as I know, you know, like he he because he was so he won the money, yeah, I don't know how much he bet and every, but, uh, but yeah, even if you bet a... and then
0: everyone in the Cyclops scene thinks that Bloom also won yeah. a bunch of money yeah too yeah
3: they all think he put like you know like five pounds on uh on throwaway oh no one pound maybe i i forget like you put one pound on it and i no, i, I can't remember the actual amount but in, anyways it was it was the odds for it were 20 to 1 you know so if you uh if you had bet on throwaway you would have got a whole ton of money um and they yeah so they all are convinced that Bloom has won because they also think he's a Freemason, which is an interesting question if he is or not, um, because he does in the uh, in the Cersei episode he does uh, try out all these Masonic signs, and and he eats, he, he ends up meeting uh, this guy Corny Keller, who is a Freemason, and this guy is able to. Stop the cops from arresting Stephen after he got well, got into a fight with these British soldiers
0: because he was an informant, and that's what's happening in one in in the Wandering Rocks episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, those are the little details that the more you read it, you realize, oh wait a minute. But at first, it's just hard to keep all those names straight
3: yeah me too like this is the uh this is the i guess it's the fourth time i've read it um but it just uh so much more i got out of it this time as well
2: i just can i just say something real quickly because i think it would be a good idea um to kind of pull back here a little bit and Snor, you asked doug what was your big takeaway this time and so i want to ask Snor and then eric you know you've read this again, you've returned to this material, and Zeno, you're about to go here. What, what's your takeaway? What's your new insight? Because I think was, this kind of high level conversation might be good for the audience in the 42 minutes section, but yeah, go ahead, Zinor, sorry.
3: Um, yeah, so the difference um, between 2017, when I read it at that time and now, is that uh, I actually, I, I went to Dublin, and I went around and saw a lot of these things, um, like Martello tower is still there. Um, What uh, David Burns or Davy Burns um, restaurant is still there. You can still go there and get a uh, gargonzola sandwich with a glass of burgundy wine, you know, Um, you can go to Sandy Mount strand. I did that. Um, You can go to seven Eccles street where it was, you know, so you can, you can still see these things. So I, I kind of have that in my mind, um, this sort of idea of Dublin, roughly in my mind. Like, I don't know it so well, you know, but I, I have way more of a sense of the the kind of topography of the whole thing. But then I also went to uh, Trieste, um, like the, the year before that, where Joyce lived for a long time, I think got like 11 years or something, and wrote much of Ulysses' in different apartments that he had in trieste and i realize when reading this now is that he's writing about dublin like all the details concern dublin and he's like really strict on getting it completely realistic um but w- when i read it the the uh the atmosphere feels like trieste it feels like the sunny kind of mediterranean feel um to it um like I realize it's it's the middle of June in Dublin. I wasn't there in June. I was there in uh, September, I guess it was, um, which is the summertime. So it might it, like the, the middle of June is yeah right before like end end of spring towards the summer. So it it might have that feeling. But I just when, when I was in Dublin, it it it, uh, it seemed really gloomy in a way, like really sort of dark and gloomy and cloudy. Whereas when I read Ulysses, it, it has this sunniness to it, this sunny aspect to it, um, which I think he's he's um, he's talking about Trieste, and I've I've heard critics say that too that uh, it's actually about Trieste, um, which is uh, it's mm. an interesting point. And yeah, then I I don't know. So I got I read. Elman's biography of Joyce like finally finished the whole thing it's a huge thing as well so I I knew a lot more about the uh his biography as well so I could fit that into the story um and I I reread I reread everything else like I reread uh Dubliners and uh and Portrait and and Finnegan's Wake last year too so I had all, all this stuff is sort of in my mind um and so coming back to this it's it was just it was such a deeper experience you know but i i still feel that it, there's some huge all-encompassing mystery there that i'm just seeing a little glimmer of you know like it, it will take i don't know how many more readings to to actually grasp the whole body of adam cadman that's there you know yeah i i think uh I've, I've had a similar
1: experience to things that you've each said i think that in terms of going back and I, I picked up a portrait or the portrait of an artist, uh, reverse that, uh, which I hadn't read since um, school. And it's arguable whether or not I actually had read it then, even though my eyes went through the whole thing, I took in almost none of it. And I remember thinking at the time that it, the author was just being really um, obscured for for whatever reason, and now when I picked it up, I realized, oh, okay, I'm 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 seeing the story through the eyes of a child. That was just immediately apparent to me now. Um, and then, you know, you get a taste for it jumping between third person narration and stream of consciousness of the character and dialogue. Um, and so, just that exercise of going back and revisiting that work made. Um, digesting Ulysses Ulysses so much easier. Um, Another thing I did, which I I noticed, Snor, you actually recommended in one of the previous episodes is that I've been reading it while listening to the RTE dramatization of it, um, which you can find on different podcast platforms for free. And that's been great. Um, Makes it a lot easier to go through Obviously, uh, as well. So I haven't read Dubliners, but um, in terms of re- recommendations for listeners, I would say definitely visit earlier, Joyce. And for this reason also, I haven't tackled Finnegan's Wake yet. I picked it up a while back and I read a few lines and just said, "What in the world is this?" And so I feel like, you know, going through his works chronologically
2: would, is probably the best approach. I was struck by just it's it's. It reminds me kind of. I was thinking of like how art house this is as a as an adjective. It's like this is like the arty art art house kind of um, um, you know vibe. Let's say maybe my understanding of the early part of this the last century isn't complex enough to understand how popular this style of writing in terms of the complexity of theme and the integration of history and the high level idea set about all these, you know, basically everything that it means to be alive and to be human, he's writing about in such kind of high level and such a high level way. So I was struck by that on the one hand, but on the other hand, the theme seemed to be so fun, fundamentally human. And, and particularly the stream of consciousness of Mary Bloom, I mean, it's like a it's like smut, you know, and, but it's honest. It's like honest smut. And I was like, wow, this is seems pretty much this. This has got to be part of like a chain of, of obscenity, uh, you know, these kinds of themes writing honestly about the sex act. And in the film I watched, it was just a long stream of consciousness about her sex life and the affairs and you know, um, euphemisms for, you know, semen and and ejaculation. I mean, I was, so there's something about, I think, the thematically, and then when I read Portraits of the Artist, that's what moved me as a young man when I read it. I mean, he's writing about prostitution and how, you know, that can be part of an initiation for young men, um, you know, into this kind of, The I guess the greater mysteries of life, (laughs) let's say. So I feel like uh, um, it's kind of grounded in the fundament of the human condition in a very real way, tackling kind of um, essential themes around the body and sex, and and meaning in in that way. So that's kind of my big takeaway as my first entry into this. It does feel very overwhelming, but at the same, like I wanted the text. I needed a college course. Uh, Eric and and Znor were mentioning like uh, studying this maybe in an academic level I really feel like this material deserves that kind of approach methodical textual you know breaking it down chapter by chapter paragraph by paragraph and then analyzing it with experts in a group Um, so those are some of my just initial take I'm the neophyte here so
0: well let's let's call that 42 minutes um and then we'll, we'll keep chatting but uh You've been listening to the 42 minutes Seasonal Book Club, production of SyncBook Radio and the SyncBook.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests should check past shows or subscribe to the podcast the iTunes. Please be sure to visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others as currently all the SyncBook Radio archives are free. We also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need. Just type book club and all the book clubs here. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much. And I will not sleep here tonight. And I am the Alligator.